0: Love Talk Radio
1: Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Car Session Sports Report I'm your host, Jar As always, this is the escape, the getaway from your daily sports talk, daily sports media, agendas, narratives flagrant misleading, you know what I mean? If you just want pure, raw, uncut sports talk, we're here. Like I say, Car Sessions is your sports talk Uber. Let's get right into it. Joey Bosa
0: is still unsigned. And for some reason, I
1: can't wrap my head around why. Why is it that Joey Bosa is walking around here still an unsigned rookie? He was a top pick in the draft, highly sought after. He didn't give us any vibe prior, you know, to being drafted that he will become a problem. So why is it now that Joey Bosa can't get a deal done? You know, knee jerk reaction in these situations is normally to bash the player involved. You know what I mean? Get on the player For not doing his part Etc, etc, etc But in this situation And history has shown The San Diego Chargers Clearly have a problem With money when it comes to players Is it that they don't want to play guys? Is it that they're just cheap? They have an owner, Spanos Who's a cheapskate? Do they think that they're too smart? Is it a situation where the way you know you gotta do your, your, your cat maneuvers the people who are in charge of the San Diego Charger money have gotten too smart for their own good? I can't, un- I really can't understand. I thought in the era where you don't have to worry about paying a rookie a certain amount of money because there's a rookie pay scale. It's a pretty cut and dry situation. I, th- I thought it was already predisposed that these guys would come into the league, high draft pick, and there's already a contract, that, a certain slot that for them to fill in in terms of signing bonus, years, et cetera, et cetera. Guaranteed money. So what is the problem here? Is it the Chargers just being cheap from everything I've read?
0: The Chargers are
1: being cheap. San Diego, as always, can't get right. Get out of your own way, Chargers. It's really good. Huh? Look, like I, I got a blog post here. Person close to the situation in San Diego. He says here that Bosa's holdout is a two way street. It isn't only him that's at fault in the situation. Players like Phillip Rivers, Ladanian Tomlinson, Sean Merriman, all held out when they were drafted. We all know what happened with Eli Manning. It goes on to say that the Chargers have a history of being cheap with rookies and contract extensions. So, long story short, because we're not here to bore you and give you a whole bunch of mumbo-jumbo, it's a situation where a player is coming to the league, the player wants to get paid, rightfully so, there's already a contract situation that's already lined up for him. So, why should he accept any less than what's been agreed upon in the CBA? Why? And then you're going to have talking heads all over the place saying, oh, well, he needs to get on the field. He needs to get on the field, man. Joey Bosa needs to play. He's taking too long. This, that, and the fourth. Now, come on now. It's always easy for people, especially former players, when they leave the game, to talk about what another guy should do. But when they were in the league, these said players were holding out. These said players fought for their money. These said players would not stand for being shortchanged. But as soon as they put a suit on, as soon as they put a suit on and become gas bags, talking heads, all of a sudden, this, this player should know better. He's a rookie. He should, he should go get paid. He should go play and worry about getting paid later. But what is his mother doing control the situation? Is she the one pulling the strings? Like, get out of here. Get out of here. Joey Bosa deserves to get paid the money that's been agreed upon. He should not take a dollar less. And if the San Diego Chargers don't want to pay the kid, start preparing to trade him. Do what's necessary. I blame the Chargers fully. Even if he is just a rookie, why should he take a dollar less? Why should he take a dollar less? Can someone give me a good enough reason as to why he should take a dollar less? If anybody can call into the show or when TJ comes on, maybe he can enlighten me as to why he should take a dollar less than what's already agreed upon. Bad enough, they have the kid playing out of position as a 3-4 Linebacker, as opposed to a 4-3 edge rusher, now you want him to take less money? You shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. San Diego charges, man. I just don't understand. I simply cannot understand what's going on. But you know what? I'm not going to spend too much more time on this situation. If I'm Joey Bosa, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing Until they pay me my money Get your money Joey Bosa Because there's no reason for you to take any less Than what you deserve What's already been agreed upon What was already slotted out before they chose you They could have chosen anybody else That money was going to be there for that player So that being said Joey, your mom, whoever your handlers are Don't go in that field until they pay you Stop being cheap San Diego But let's move on During the week, or last week, I should say, I had a conversation on Twitter, but uh, Snotty Dripping, you know, I was, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't minding my business, you know. He was tweeting with a dude out in Milwaukee who tried to say that the Milwaukee Bucks tanked away their season, and they got into an exchange because of the fact that Snotty was trying to say that the Bucks didn't tank. They didn't, they didn't tank away their season. They just had a bad season. There were certain circumstances that put them in a situation where they didn't live up to expectations, albeit health from players, health from the coach. These things forced their hand. You know? But the the person who's based out of Milwaukee wanted to push the envelope and, and essentially say that we didn't know basketball and we didn't we, we can't tell the difference between a team that's having a bad year and a team that's tanking. Alright, that's fair You know, everybody gets emotional and, and they say you don't know a sport When you disagree with them And that's cool But that leads me to the next topic I wanted to get into There is a clear difference in sports Between tanking And just being a losing team Or having a losing season So now the question is What's the difference? I'm a Laker fan, I can tell you the difference Teams that have bad years you know what I mean there's no there's not even anything that that's placed in the media first off because a lot of people these days they don't go off eye test they go off media so I'm gonna go that route first there's nothing placed in the media that intimates or indicates that they're tanking more often than not when you see a team that's tanking already in circulation the, the the media people the public relations guys in the organization have already dealt with the, the local media and the local media then proceeds to send that information down to national media and it's, it becomes known that they are tanking the season away you're going to see a lot of guys who have been wearing suits most of the season now getting a lot of minutes that is a full on tank then you have situations where a team came in They had a chance to maybe be a lower seed in the playoffs. They had a shot to be somewhat good. Then a player gets hurt. Then they decide, you know what, if the player gets hurt, we're going to make a few trades. Or we're going to play certain guys less, eventually shut those guys down, even though they're not really hurt to the degree that they need to be shut down. And we're going to take the season away in order to get a nice draft position. Losing teams, they lose games. There's teams in the NBA, teams in the NFL, teams in Major League Baseball that are perennial losers because they lose without a plan. They try to be good, but then they end up losing anyway. Then they, they disappear, they go into the shadows. Never to be heard from again because they never had any intentions on being bad. They just don't happen to be bad. They have overzealous ownership, overzealous player development people who, who put their teams in positions to fail. That is a losing team. The Philadelphia 76ers should be the blueprint for what, what a tank is. They didn't even try to sign good players. They never do try to sign good players. They constantly go to free agency. They, they get, they quickly get to the salary floor, right? Quickly get there. And then they lose about 60-something to 70-something games in order to get the most ping-pong balls, in order to get the highest draft pick possible. That is the tank. Milwaukee came into the season with expectation. Big time expectations. They had just signed Greg Monroe. They had some fledging, up and coming, young talent: Chris Middleton, Giannis Atsikumbo, to name a few. Um, the kid from Syracuse, whose name has escaped me right now, even though I'm an Orange fan. But uh, Michael Michael Carter Williams. You have played. You had Jason Kidd, who's you know surprisingly a pretty decent coach off the rip from Brooklyn to Milwaukee. But then things started happening with J Kid's health. You had Jabari Parker coming back. None of these things indicate a team that was trying to tank. They ran into a slew of injuries. Greg Monroe never adjusted in his new role in Milwaukee. Therefore, they had a bad season. They didn't make any trades. They didn't blow the team up. They didn't They didn't try to get rid of to Kumpo. They didn't try to get rid of Middleton. They didn't try to get rid of any person that was imperative to their future. What they did was they folded up the tent in terms of, you know what, this is a bad season. We'll finish the season out because we have to play these games, and we'll actually try to win. But, you know, once that the negative energy and that bad season energy gets around you, there's, there's no escaping that. There's absolutely no escaping that once it happens. So my friend in Milwaukee, they had a losing season because extenuating circumstances forced them to not live up to expectations. What you saw in Philadelphia, what you saw in L.A., what you saw years past in Minnesota where teams strategically position themselves to be bad from the get-set, or at certain times in the middle of the season, place themselves in a position to be bad once the season went left, is a tank. When Kobe got hurt and his knee fell off a couple years ago, the Lakers decided to tank the season. When it happened again, they tanked the season. What happened in Milwaukee was they got hurt, but they didn't blow up. Their, they didn't trade away any of their good assets. They didn't try to force their way to get, lay later assets down the road. What they decided to do was finish the season. Know the difference, sports fans. Tanking is a flagrant job. Losing games is a failure of leadership from the top all the way down to a failure of performance on the floor or on the field. I just need y'all to understand that we got a call on the lines We're waiting for about three minutes to get him on the air. Caller you live with job in the car, session sports report. What's good? Ray? Caller, you there? Can't really hear you, man.
2: Oh, this is Ray Jarvis?
1: Yeah, this is Ray Jar- I got my whole government on there. What up, bro? <laughs>
2: Who's this? Well, this is Terrence from the Sports Chat
1: What's going on, man? How's everything?
2: All right, everything's cool, man I was wanting to ask you this question Um, uh, where you rank? Um, they had a question on there about Kobe Michael Jordan And, um, LeBron James Who was the best defensive player?
1: Who you yeah, think, I, in your
2: opinion, was?
1: Well that's, that's a loaded question right there Uh, I'm a Kobe guy. So more often than not, if you catch right. me on a really good day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Kobe. But, you know, when I looked at what MJ did, he, he didn't go up against the wing players that Kobe Bryant went up against. But in terms of what right. he was asked to do as an overall team defender, more or less roving all over the court, playing the patch lanes, trapping, help defender, he did a lot. More often than not, Pippen, once Pippen get, came into his zone, he took the best for to play on the opposing team. But that, that let Jordan... Do what he did in terms of opposing his will, throwing big man so, shot. Well, so ahead. my question,
2: question is: Is he a better, is he a better team defender or a better one-on-one defender?
1: I think Kobe is the best one-on-one in terms of like a score, a guy who was asked to do right. the load of a Kobe he was asked to do as a player. I think Kobe right. was the best one-on-one defender ever. But I would give. Jordan the edge in terms of team defense because a lot of times the Kobe used to take chances that used to hurt the team and he usually would have a big to back him up but when he took those chances Jordan Jordan never had that loss. I
2: think I think Jordan's instincts were the best right his instincts on the court but as far as being a defender I look at defender as meaning you guarding your player making it hard for your player so that's why it, it, it puzzles me when a lot of people go, "Well, Jordan with the best defender."
1: Well, the question said all-around defender, not on the ball defender. That's why I went with. If you would actually best on the ball well, defender, I would have said Kobe without hesitation.
2: I, I was just looking at. I was just looking at Kobe's highlights and his defensive highlights too. He did okay. pretty much the same thing. I think Jordan numbers were better when it comes to the, the steals and and all that, but Cause Kobe were
1: Kobe took more chances yeah. on the floor, offensively right. and defensively.
2: He took more risks. Right. than Jordan. Jordan was a lot more precise. Right. You know, so, you know, I have to give the edge. Even even with LeBron, I'm going to have to give the edge. I think Jordan will be the third best defender out of those three. Because in fact, exactly, he was the third best defender on Chicago. <laughs> I,
0: can't,
1: That's I, can't real. I, agree. I can't say I agree. Hold with on, hold on. Said, it has, they I have
2: Scotty. Yeah, Scotty and had Robin was one of the best defenders ever.
1: But Robin was there towards the end of Jordan's prime. I'm looking at Jordan yeah, when with he came three, into the
2: league. Well he he won three titles with him.
1: Yeah, so when but you talk he about three, that, when people, He won three titles but, in his late thirties though, Terrence. Not not when Jordan was yeah. his physical peak in the eighties.
2: That's that's what I'm looking no, at. No, but in terms but of all but, but well, a lot was going on because when they when they when they throw up Jordan's resume, they're gonna right. throw up the second three peaks.
1: Awesome. Right, so, hey, I, but see, I, I can't speak for the masses. I can only speak for myself. To me, well, the way that – say this Steve, before I let you go because I got I to gotta go forward. To me, the last okay. repeat and, and the Lakers repeat were essentially the similar teams. You know, once Kobe started to lose that step, they brought in guys like Areza, They brought in guys like Ron Artest to take on certain defensive responsibilities that Kobe could no longer take on because they wanted to save Kobe's legs. For the offense right. And I think that was What was happening In Chicago as well They had guys That take the pressure Over Jordan On defense Especially the second Repeat So
3: that Jordan Could get the
2: ball. Well, but, but you gotta realize That Scotty was always Jordan's cover
3: I think All he grew Into that role I
1: feel like he got better yeah, well, but, Remember but They Jordan, just stopped
2: winning Until Scotty stopped up
1: Hey man Absolutely yeah, Absolutely right But I feel as though <laughs> as, as Pippen got better And Jordan got older Things kind of balanced out. That's my argument. I'm not even a Jordan guy. I just feel like I got to do what the All
2: right. Well, good talking to you.
1: Absolutely, man. Feel free to call whenever.
2: Anytime. All right. All right.
1: Have, have a good one. Yes, people. Quick tangent, but we back. We back on it, TJ. I know. I know you at the bit. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you there in a second, man. But uh, we're gonna stay on basketball. LeBron James got paid big money, big bread. Three years, a hundred million dollars. You know, every everybody, they're very excited about LeBron James getting paid. I can't, I can't fault that. You know, it's that's a lot of money. Essentially, it averages out to about thirty-three million and change over three years. Everybody's like, LeBron should be the highest-paid player. He's the best player in the world. I agree, but I feel it. So everybody's missing the obvious here. LeBron was always going to get that money. I don't even feel like him signing that contract is even newsworthy. It's, just, it's, it's no shame in getting excited for the man signing the contract. But think about when he waited. He waited for all the dust to settle. For everybody to sign their contracts, So that he could swoop in and get the money he was always getting. Y'all, y'all thought that J.R. Smith not re-signing was new? The only reason J.R. Smith not resigning was news is because the Cavaliers were positioning themselves to give LeBron this money. It's not news, man. This is not a surprise. LeBron James, for the past five years or so, back going back to his years in Miami, has felt the way about not being the highest paid player in the world while Kobe's out here getting thirty million in a season. That bothered him. Not, not not anything against Kobe Bryant, but the fact that he's at the peak of his abilities and he's not getting paid like one of those. When he came back. Cleveland even still he wasn't the top Paid guy in the league and that bothered him He wanted to get paid So essentially with the new cap And the spending frenzy that Happened at at the top of free agency All LeBron James wanted to do Was see how things were going to shape out Kind of like he did it kind of like baseball Where guys sign you see where the Market is and then you get your deal What LeBron James Has done now is that everybody signed Got their deal He's now reset the market Get what I'm saying? Because now he's the elite of the elite. He's the top of the food chain. He might only be getting 31 this upcoming season. But that means on the back end, he's going to be getting somewhere. I'm not a mathematician. I'm sorry. But I feel like he's going to be getting somewhere around 34 or 35 over the next two years following that. So that being said, he has set the market for the next guys coming up behind him. So when their contracts are up, they're going to be seeing that level of money. So people don't get excited and, oh, my God, this... This big contract from LeBron James was years, years, years in the making. You understand? Understand me when I tell you that. No hate on LeBron. He was always getting his paper. But do remind, be, do be mindful that this is not a surprise. It's not even news. LeBron James is going to be getting upwards of $30 million per year for the rest of his career. Unless he chooses to take less. That's all I want to say about that. Uh... Alex Rodriguez retired from baseball. I'm not going to get too heavy with that. I just want to say that I found it somewhat karmic and ve- and you know, you know, people say they don't for those who don't believe in higher beings, deities, things of that nature. Alex Rodriguez, everything that has surrounded him in his entire career. For his ceremony at Yankee Stadium to be met with thunder and lightning. Says everything you need to know about Alex Rodriguez in a nutshell. That was not an accident, people. <laughs> because it, it didn't happen, all of that rain and whatnot wasn't happening in Brooklyn, but it certainly happened uptown in the Bronx and in Harlem. You think that was a Winky dink? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. That weather right there said everything about Alex Mar- Rodriguez in a nutshell. No shade, Alex. It's just funny to me that your Tom got upstaged. By a big thunderclap and some lightning The last thing I want to get to Before I get out of here And let TJ do his thing with this AFC South movement is the USA men's basketball team I wanted to talk about Simone Browse And uh, Michael Phelps But we'll get to that on next week's show Because, you know, we got time The Olympics ain't going nowhere just yet But the USA men's basketball team Is clearly missing something Everybody's like, you know, I was talking to my dad, and he's, yo, know, they need this, and they need LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony's not like an, an A plus player anymore. I told him Carmelo's a B level player. There's no shade to Melo. When Melo's getting older. He can't move the same ways. He can't impact the game the same way as other guys anymore. It's no shade. In his Olympic system, he's essentially a three point shooter. Y'all watch the games just like me. I see how Melo's used. He gets his little isolation situation, but a lot of times he's a catch and shoot situation. But what this team is missing tremendously. Is a facilitator and a role player. You have a lot more all star level, not superstar level guys. You have a lot of, you have a lot more all stars on this particular version of the Olympic men's basketball team. But in past years, you've had Equadallas on a team. You've had Tayshaun Prince's on the team, who are not big offensive guys, but who can fill a role, can keep the ball moving, can slash and cut, be selfless. I'm not accusing anybody here of being selfish. But a true point guard and a 3 and D guy, maybe like an Iguodala or I, I mentioned Chris Middleton earlier, maybe a player like that who can do a little bit of everything to keep the ball moving and make the right basketball play so that there's less wasted possessions by the men's basketball team will put this team over the top. I believe in this situation, less would be more for the men's team. Less all-stars and a couple of more role players will make this team go back to its level of 30-point blowouts. Maybe this is me knee-jerk reacting, and in the end, everything will sort itself out in terms of they'll blow everybody out in the medal rounds. But I'm not necessarily sure because I haven't seen anything that indicates that that's going to change. So for me, going forward, I think we need to go back to the format of getting superstars who are willing to play, getting a couple of all-stars who are willing to play, and getting a couple of role players that are willing to play. People forget Michael Red was on the Redeem team along with Tayshaun Prince. People forget that. Role players are missing here. And I think that the men's basketball team right now is struggling because, as Pat Rowley has coined in the past, it's a disease of me. Guys are doing a little—you see Kyrie Irving doing a little too much. I've seen Jimmy Butler do a little too much. I've seen Kevin Durant do a little too much. I've seen Klay Thompson do a little too much. Draymond Green do a little too much. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins and, and DeAndre Jordan are in foul trouble. Guys are doing a little bit too much right now. So you need role players who understand this play within themselves to do just enough to be successful. And I think that's what's necessary here for the men's national team going forward in order to continue their dominating play. The world might not have the name players, but these players play together more often than the teams that are essentially thrown together by Team USA. So I, I wanted to get that off. This, this was a failure, I think, by people picking the teams. To get, they got carried away with the All-Stars and forgot about the role players. So that's, that's what's missing from this team, and that's what I believe they'll focus on in, in, in the coming years. You've got the World Cup in two years, and then another two years after that will be the, the, the 2020 Olympics. And I expect more role players and less all-star caliber guys on the men's team. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then after the break, we're going to get TJ on to do what he does. AFC South preview, you know what I mean? The Car session Sports Report is live every Monday at 7 p.m. If you can't make it for the live show, this episode and all other episodes are available as a podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash car sports talk. I'll repeat that, blogtalkradio.com slash car sports talk. Don't miss out. Do not miss out. And right now, you should not miss out on what we're about to do the AFC South preview with the homie TJ. TJ, welcome back, man.
4: What's going on, brother? I see you having some fun on there before I can even get on there.
1: Yeah, man. You know, this is what we do on car sessions, bro.
4: Yes, definitely, sir. How you been? It
1: is, dog. Uh, I can't complain, man. I can't complain. Well, I can't complain, but I'm not going to complain right now. I'm a, but, you know, we we just going to do the show. Was trying to get up with you on Friday and make some things happen, but a certain somebody ain't making it happen. I'm just going to throw it out there.
4: Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. As long, as, long right. as I know that Somebody ain't me So we'll, we'll make things I, work. Yeah, so.
1: well, we, I know it's not you That's why I ain't Clive at you know, <laughs> TJ, to name, You know But a certain somebody Didn't follow through On their end of the agreement Sir You need to stop playing Car sessions We fitting to drive off Brother But anyway TJ I've, I've talked for nearly A half hour The floor is yours Whatever team you want To lead off with Feel free
3: alright let's just go
4: start from the bottom who I think we both agree will be on the lottery selection for this division and I do believe it'll be that Barbecue Steak Tennessee Titans what you oh. think
3: <laughs> Barbecue Steak ouch <laughs>
4: that's a Barbecue
3: that's, Steak bro.
1: that's how you feel brother
4: yes I, I think they have some talent coming up in that in what they're trying to do but they're nowhere close to it, and the other three teams in terms of rocket construction. I necessarily wasn't a big fan of Mariota coming out of college, but I understand it. it's a quarterback-driven league, and if somebody could get you there, like I do, like Mariota over the two quarterbacks we got this year in the league in the draft. But yeah, Mariota, I I, I got to see more in the pro-style offense from Mariota first before I could even say anything about that. Um they got some good young talent on the roster But it's going to take like another year or two For them to like to Put all of it together To mesh and just to like make things work Because like I said The other teams Like I already got one team that's not way ahead But that's like on The top tier in this division right now And I told you last week This, this division should not be underrated This division should not be underrated But Titans I'm going to just like Put them at the bottom What you think bro?
2: Um
1: I think that it's a matter of the process of elimination. If if we're looking at what's above them, if somebody has to finish last, it will be the Titans. You know what I mean? We we, we know what to expect from the Colts with Andrew Luck. We we kinda have an idea what to expect with the Texans, so so on and so forth with the uh Jaguars. So by default, you kinda have to put this team in last place. But You might not be high on Mariota, but that doesn't mean I agree. I look at Mariota as a situational quarterback. I don't think he's as read-option-y as guys, his predecessors in the league. I think he can throw the ball. I think he has decent pocket presence, but he won't be asked to do too much because if DeMarco Murray can, you know, shed the funk that was the Philadelphia Eagles last year and run behind a pretty decent O-line, you know, and a read-option will help him in some respects, but not too much. He's a smash-mouth back. But in, in certain sprints, or sprints, I should say, like, you know, maybe two plays or three plays here just to throw the, the defense off, he could break a run because they expect the Mariota to do something. If they use everybody correctly and the defense is up to snuff, they could be all right. But in the end, are they as good as the teams in front of them? I don't think so. I think they'll make a step forward. But because the division, there's three teams that's better than them right, as of right now. We don't know what's going to happen in September. I think we have to leave him in last place. I do like Demarco Murray. He looked. I know. I know it's a preseason TJ. I'm sorry, but just the way he looked, body language. I'm big on body language. And body language wise, Demarco Murray looked pretty legit to me in that first game.
0: I
4: think so. I think I think, I hear what you're saying with that. Uh, I think he has a better offensive line, or not even say line. I'm going to say offensive scheme that fits his talents better than what he, than what it was in Philadelphia. Because he's right. not that spread back. He runs between tackles. That's where he's better. That's where he's best at. You're not going to try to run sweeps with him and options and all of that. So, like, I get what you're saying with that. So, I could see that. But they got two big backs back there, too. They also got Darek Henry Darick coming Henry, out from yeah. Alabama. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah.
1: They can wear some defenses out just by the fact that you have these two big backs just leaning on you all game long. There's something to be said there, but again Am I expecting them to be Super good? No Is the arrow pointing up? I'll say yes I'm higher on Mariota than you are And I think he'll perform As strongly, not as strongly as an elite Quarterback, but he's going to make a good step from rookie Year to year two. I believe This upcoming season
4: that, That's fair enough I'll let you that's take fair? the lead on who you got next Yeah, fair enough uh, Ah
1: Let's talk about the Texans, man. I let's cool. talk about the let's talk about the Houston Texans. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of positive energy around them, big time positive energy. I think I I think I like their defense. I'm not 100 percent certain about that. I'm not gonna reel off a whole bunch of names in the depth chart. You know what I'm all about here. I've been consistently consistent. Yes, consistently consistent on this topic, and that's where it comes to. <laughs> Quarterbacks They have the receiver in Hopkins Do they have the delivery guy In Brock Osweiler is the question And he, you know I I don't like temperamental quarterbacks TJ I don't like guys who Who are supposed to lead the team And they get kind of emotional, you know The way he handled that whole Breakup, for lack of a better word With the Denver Broncos Leads me to believe that he's a temperamental guy He doesn't understand the business Of the league He takes things personally he, de- he doesn't know how to go forward Because he's too caught up on being mad about the pass What's going to happen when Brock Osweiler Throws an interception Or DeAndre Hopkins misses a read Is he going to go in a funk for the rest of the game Is he really a leader Can he lead these men to reach the heights That they could potentially reach I'm not sold on Brock Osweiler I don't think that was a good signing at all That $74 million contract I think is wasted money TJ And I think because he won't be any good it's going to be a situation where once again the Texans will have peripheral talent but they still won't have a quarterback. That's my argument with the Houston Texans.
0: Uh,
4: I hear you about the temperamental aspect, but I think it goes into mental fortitude. Um, Tom Brady's kind of temperamental and he's considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Phillip Rivers is temperamental. Uh, no, he,
3: he really? Really? Really TJ? Really? Wait, really? Wait, 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 wait. I'm really, not, bro?
1: I'm not
4: comparing I'm not tr- I'm comparing the personality aspect. I'm they not have, comparing their game. A,
1: they not See, I want to say what I really want to say, but because it's a family show, I can't say it. But I don't think when, when I say that, I'm not I don't I'm not when I say temperamental, I'm not talking about fiery. I'm talking about emotional. You get what I'm no, saying? I soft. Soft is what I'm saying. That's the word I'm looking for. He's soft to me. All
4: right. So you call in the man Kate, that's fine. Yeah. So <laughs> put it. Put in pop. Anyway. Um Bill Bryan I think will have to help mold him into that kind of like mentally strong aspect of it. I I'm not gonna lie, I will feel kind of away as well because if I feel like I have played Peyton, Manning, during the last season as well, I and mean, you know you were down on Peyton. Payton, didn't make the mistakes and everything, like, didn't make mistakes, but he wasn't winning games either. It was the defense that was winning games. And Brock was winning games while he was there at Denver. So I don't think they're going to put too much onus on Brock. Um, In terms for DeAndre Hopkins and a receiving core, I do believe it's an upgrade over whatever they had prior because if DeAndre Hopkins can make the plays that he's making with a lesser quarterback, somebody with a strong arm that could throw a good deep ball, I believe will be essential for that offense. But I think it's going to be more so of a running team. I, like Lamar Miller was a great back in Miami. He didn't get the opportunity as much as he should have, or as much touches. So him being in a situation where he'll be leaned upon, and like almost an Arian Foster kind of aspect when Arian Foster was healthy, and you have a pretty good defense, like, they were actually, I believe, finished like a top 10 defense last year, even though aside top J J.J. Watt, a lot of people probably can't name anybody else on that roster on the defensive aspect. I think it's just one of those teams that always goes under the radar and nobody pays attention to. All right, and, but, but they're here's in the my, big market.
1: But here's my, here's my issue. I wouldn't call Houston that big of a market. It's not Dallas. But my issue with Houston is is that, all right, the Denver comparison is fair. I'm not going to completely bash Oswald He did win games where he was. But more often than not, most keen observers like yourself would say that the defense won those games. You know, he didn't mess it up, right? That's what Peyton yeah. Manning did. Peyton Manning didn't do anything that I, that, that I didn't say he wasn't doing. He still was trash. He still couldn't throw. But he did just enough. Remember what I said before the Super Bowl? He would do just enough to not mess it up. But the luxury he also had in that division was the fact that there were no offensive juggernauts in that division. In a division where you got two teams that are potentially going to put up numbers, you're going to have to have a quarterback who can at least tread water, and I don't think he's capable of doing that. I think he's going to sink. I expect him to sink. I'm putting it out there. This is not a take. This is me feeling how I feel about Brock Osweiler. I think he's going to sink, and he won't score enough points in that division.
4: Okay, that's fair enough. I don't think it'll be on him to score the points. I think it's going to be more so on Lamar Miller. Um, he has a great talent on that on that offense DeAndre. Like, ah, I I think I got them finishing a, different than what you have. I think you're going to put them in third right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> they, they they might end up in last if their quarterback is as bad as I think they
4: are. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I just see what DeAndre could do with a lesser quarterback. So I do like somebody with a more acclimate and more stronger arm at back there, calling the plays, yeah. calling shots, and delivering the ball. So I'm just going, that's the reason why I'm going to put them in their second spot right now in that division.
0: All
1: right, TJ. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to fault you for that. But again, it's the passing league. Got to have a quarterback for every like. for every, for every Denver defense that comes about that's very, 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 you know, astronomically good, legendarily good. There's teams that are winning because they have a quarterback who can get the job done. We had that big argument about the, the, the Patriots and whatnot. The Patriots had the defense, but when it was time to win the game, Tom Brady got him down the field and got two touchdowns on the, on the best defense we had seen in a couple of years. So I, I, I lean that way when it comes to quarterback play. And I don't think the defense is that good to where they can hold down the fourth the way Denver did a year ago. I could be wrong, but as of today, absolutely not. I don't look at the Texans as being that good. So, I look you at them what? as third place.
4: You know what? This is what I feel like you might do. I think you might, instead of rating the whole squad, I think you rate the quarterbacks when we're doing this From one nah, to four. Instead of the not squad. Not at all.
1: Not at all. Not at all. If the defense is there oh shit this, you got me cursing on college sessions. if the defense is there the <laughs> offense is there we said, we said just a week ago but not even a couple weeks back if you have skilled talent and you have a quarterback who is decent enough they'll be alright but they won't be good but outside okay. of DeAndre Hopkins can you name anybody on the office that can carry the load like really carry the load
4: nah, well listen so, I, I, like I I don't I don't think they're going to put enough though. on his shoulder
1: what i'm saying is you don't you don't have a you don't have a, a a secondary weapon as of today we don't know who can shine football is a funny sport like that somebody might be coming up we're not looking at right now
3: but true.
1: if your top player is a wide receiver and a wide receiver can't throw the ball to himself what good is he
4: that's true when we, that's had, true.
1: When we, when we had when we had ike hilliard and a Tuma and we had dave brown throwing the ball what do we do
4: Oh, boy. Don't remind me of Dave right. Brown. Right. The so, worst. So
1: th- this, but this is what I'm saying, TJ. You got to have a quarterback, bro. <laughs> he's not even average to mm-hmm. me. I think he's bad. <laughs> I think <laughs> if they had Colin Kaepernick, I might, I might say in second place. I don't think Oswald is any good.
4: I, I, I beg shit for on that. I don't think he's underrated.
3: All right.
1: We're going to see. We, we, can, we can pull this tape when you have me slip up and use a bad word on car sessions. 'Cause it's just like you played the game, bro. <laughs> this ain't college sports where you can run the ball, you played, you know you need a quarterback.
4: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, man, like from the time from I seen him at Arizona State, he has all the measurables. I don't think see put it together consistently, the problem I think he might have is a new is a new scheme. So it takes a little bit of time for them to put that He's together. But I still got them second. He's I still got them second though.
3: Rock
4: Trashwiler. Yeah. Horrible. This guy right here. Rock anyway,
3: Trashwiler. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> so, all right. So, we only got
4: two teams left, right? And uh-huh. obviously, I think I know who you have as the first team in this division. So, so I'll let you go. Matter of fact, I'll, let, I'll, I'll lead off on this team. I'll lead off on this team. As you, who you might proclaim as the number one. The Indianapolis Colts.
0: <laughs>
4: right? Uh-huh. I don't believe it. I got the Jags finishing first, but that's not a here, there. We'll get to the next. But the okay. Colts, my beef with the Colts is that offensive line. They always put so much stock into every other position aside from protecting their franchise quarterback until this uh-huh. past season where they decide to go two out of their first three rounds in the draft all line Like uh-huh. – he had a lacerated kidney last year. Two, two yeah, players had a lacerated kidney last year. Your quarterback <laughs> should not be somebody that's getting a lacerated kidney. I
0: don't That's care not even a football injury.
4: It's <laughs> not. Like, I don't care if he runs and like, he needs to learn how to slide and protect himself better. Yes, that's on luck. But uh-huh. he shouldn't have that option to have to run as much as he did if you had protected him. Luck is one of those quarterbacks that could – play mobile, or he could play in the pocket. You need to protect your quarterback. I'm not sure if this offensive line can do it. I'm not even sure about the defense. Like, I like Vontae Davis. I like, um, what's his new name? Robert Mathis. But Robert Mathis is getting old. I don't know what the guy on to I don't know, like, aside from that, like, the last big name, two big names I remember from Colts on defense, was Dwight Greeny and Bob Sanders, and how long ago was that? About
1: a good seven years ago now, is it? It's been it, a minute. Yeah,
4: it, yeah, it's been a minute. Like I like Vontae Davis. I think Vontae Davis is the top fifteen corner in the league, but right. he can do but so much. You start working around everything else around them, then yeah. Now if they could protect him for at least three, at least two and a half, three seconds, he has weapons out there that can work. Not sure about the running game, but reception, well, receiving-wise, he has weapons. I like this. I like Dante Moncrief, personally. I think he's the best receiver out of those receivers that they had there. T.Y. Hilton is more so of a, just throw me the ball when I'm deep. I'm going to run real fast, and I'm going to get it. Right. But Moncrief has that big body. He's the more ideal uh, 2016 prototypical wide receiver. Yeah. He was on a good route, comes from a good system when he was at Ole Miss. I, for some reason I have just a affinity for players that come from Ole Miss, so that's not a here there, but that that I got them finished in a second. Let me okay. hear what you got.
1: I didn't have them in first place either, sir.
4: Oh really? I'm surprised at that. Listen, well, we are agreeing way too much, but go ahead, man.
1: Listen, this is not a debate show. This isn't first take. If we agree, we agree, bro. It, you
2: know yeah, the game, right. is it's what it is. Yeah,
1: you're right. You're right. you <laughs> are not embracing debate here. I'm going to play a little game with you, though. Right? Go ahead. It's a game I like to call, who's that? You're familiar with it. Okay. Uh, David Perry. Who's Zach that? Kerr. Exactly. I'm going to keep that? naming the name. I'm going to tell you in a second. I'm going to keep naming it, then I'm going to tell you the name. Zach yeah. Kerr right Patrick Robinson
4: Robert. I know Mathis, Patrick is the only
1: Robinson yeah, you do Robert <laughs> Mathis you
4: recognize
1: <laughs> the first three names that I named the guys who are first string defenders on this defense so now you're telling me that you have a defense that could probably not stop us right now we trained for six weeks like a boxer really hard And got on the field. We might be able to score on them. You have an O line that I don't think I heard anything about in the offseason to where we're going to protect Andrew Luck. He already out here having injuries that don't sound like football injuries. Okay, you have Moncrief. I like Moncrief as a wide receiver. Cool, DY Helton is cool as well. But if you don't have an O line, your running game is all right. You don't have a defense, you're putting everything on the quarterback. As much as I love him, what good is a quarterback if he can't stay upright? What good is a quarterback if he's going to be trailing and has to play from behind much of the game because the defense can't stop anybody? Will they be able to score? They will because football is a game where even on a situation where your O-line is shaky, if your O-line can stand up just long enough to not get your quarterback killed, they'll go down the field and score some touchdowns. They have decent enough weapons, and they do have a special quarterback. But in the end... Is that a first place team where the team in front of them seemingly has a lot on both sides of the ball? I can't say yes. To me, if the Colts happen to end up in first place this year, it'll be Andrew Luck's best work. It'll be on him to me. This, like, what other reason would there be? He found a way to not wow. get killed.
4: Do will have to have a Ken Newton-like year in order for them to even finish first in his division?
1: And he's not six five two fifty. He can't take those hits that
0: Cam can take.
4: Uh, he's a big boy, but he's not big as Cam. No, and he's not as physical no, no. as Cam. He doesn't. He doesn't have Cam's game. Cam is they basically like a DN playing quarterback. Oh
1: man, Cam is a Lebron of football, if you ask me. Like he he yeah. is that guy. He's he's a specimen. His clothes might be a, another thing we can talk about at a later date, but on the football this field, is, that is a... This drum. is not the fashion
4: report, okay? We're not it's going a, to do that.
1: It's a, hey, it's sports related. It's a sports report, man. His clothes yeah, right. options are a little shaky. But when I look at Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck is being asked to do more than I'm not sure he's capable of. If they had an O-line, TJ, if their defense is still the trash as what it is right now, but if their O-line was valid, They'll be in first place because then you probably wouldn't be able to stop them from scoring. It might be a lot of shootouts. Remember the Rams did the year after the Super Bowl when they got beat in the first round? Games like that. High scoring right. or, or Saints in the late 2000s situations where they'll put up a lot of points and you if they have the ball last, they'll win. But because I'm not right. having no faith in the offensive line, I can't see them. Imposing that kind of will on on their opponents. That worries me. I'm worried about their quarterback. Will he get trigger happy? But he already has a turnover issue, so now he has to run for his life. Isn't that isn't that gonna lead to more turnover issues in the future?
4: No possible more injuries.
1: Yeah.
4: I don't know, man. Listen, so alright, so so far, this is what I got for you. I've got the Titans fourth, Texans uh-huh. third, and Colts second.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Alright, uh-huh. so and, and,
4: and and the tit-
1: and and the Texans might be interchangeable Because uh, okay. I got the
4: te- I, yeah. got the, I got the Texans second
1: Okay
4: and I got the Colts third Wait,
1: wait, wait oh, time, time, time 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 What? You just said you had the Colts yeah.
4: second No, 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 no No, 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 no I You have the Colts in third second. place
0: And, and yeah. the Texans in second
4: Yeah, you know me I like defense, bro I trust the Texans defense more than I trust the Colts defense
0: and I think they have a
4: more adequate listen, all right. in terms of how you wanna rank it, uh-huh. I I'm not gonna say Luck is definitely a tier above or a tier or two above Osweiler. But I just feel like the
0: <laughs> a Texas tier defense
4: Random, <laughs> right, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. I'm like, all right, let's just say he's an A quarterback, Osweiler's B quarterback, right? Fair enough, right? Yeah. I'm gonna say that the defense for the Texans is an A and the Colts defense is like a D F. So by bouncing that out, I like what the Texans have more than what I like what the Colts have. I got the Texas vision second. They always both so for some reason. So let me get so let me get this
1: straight. Let me get this straight. Let yeah, me bro. get this straight before we go to the Jaguars. You trust the defense, right? That had Alex Smith looking all pro in the playoffs?
4: Listen, that's one game right, in comparison to what, right. they, to what they've done, and you have right. the reigning two or three times defensive player of the year, JJ Watt. There, I'm not he saying was there. He's he, was, he was there. Yeah, he was right. there, bro. But listen, you could, listen, JJ Watt's still that dude.
1: Listen. DJ, you bugging, bro? No, bro. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you <fine>. bugging, man? <laughs> that's fine. Oh my God. All right, I mean, the, they,
0: you can you have could have like be one right. aspect of the game.
1: They have the best aspect have, you could possibly have.
4: They only like a passing game. That's they, all they have. But you the can't a pass passing game if you blitz. I feel you, you but can't, see, they, just you, like how you said, you they don't have an offensive line.
1: He, you can't depend on the defense to stop Alex Smith, but they going to finish in second place in their division with a bum juice quarterback? Absolutely not.
4: Adamsmith is a great, is the best game manager in the league right now. Okay. <laughs>
1: you know you No. Know, oh, and he, the Jaguars. You're not doing this to me tonight, TJ. I refuse to fall into the TJ vortex. It is not happening. That's fine. So we both, we, <laughs> we both agree that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to finish in first place, right? Oh
4: yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, like wait, hey, wait 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 wait. Let's. Let's preface this into the conversation of what happened on was that Saturday, Friday, or Saturday? What
0: happened?
4: We were, well, tweeting you about the game.
1: Oh, the first preseason game, this, that, and the
4: fourth, whatever. I still Listen, don't respect that. All right, that. Let, 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 me, let, me, let, me, let me just let the, the listeners out there know. So I tweeted Javi that the Jaguars' first team looked much better, basically, essentially. Than That's
0: not the, what you tweeted. Jack. That is not what Do you, you tweeted, what? To
4: they were running on them. I don't want to, have to pull. I want to, have to go in. But essentially, it's somewhere along the lines. Like the Jaguars look better than the Jets. The, the, I told you that
1: the Jets wouldn't be that good. That's what you said, bro. The
4: defense, yes, the defense would not be that good. Yeah, I'm telling what you, you that right now.
1: Uh, all right, yo, let's focus on
4: the Jaguars. Focus on the Jaguars. Jaguars. They talk, You could make an argument for them that they have the most. Young talent in the league By far any other rocker.
0: Right. They
4: got a They have a young stud at wide receiver That I have known about since at Penn State They have a good Number two in Allen Hearn They have a pretty good Tight end They have a good running game They have spent the right pick On their Offensive line And that's maybe the best part they got two of the top five defensive players that coming into the draft last year mm-hmm. in back-to-back rounds, and Miles Jack and your boy Jalen Ramsey. Like, how yes, do sir. they manage to do that? How do they manage to do that? It's, Not to it's mention they're like, bringing in Taysom, to, Like, come on, this defense is flooded. This, this roster de- is and flooded the, with the
1: defense quietly, quietly the defense was pretty decent last year, too, and they got much better. Even I, I've read articles over the past weekend where even guys like Chris Mukamara a giant legend, quote unquote, he's bringing a certain kind of veteran swagger trying to, to try to put a level of urgency in the locker room. That can only help when you have vet guys coming in establishing establish an urgency with the young team. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: Jaguars team, like, I want to big up their front office because they have not been getting much pub prior to maybe the middle of last season where people started to notice, like, wait a minute, they got some players over there. I think their third exactly. receiver, their third receiver is Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee was a beast in college.
0: He's a third option.
4: Now, wait, wait. wait <laughs> you have another option that's your third wide receiver. Your other boy from Florida State. Green. Great Green. Rashawn Green. Like, yeah. got they got options. And they're on top of that. I completely forgot. They have, essentially, three top ten defensive players coming into their roster within the past two drafts. Dante Fowler, Ramsey, and Miles Jack
0: at every level. Uh-huh.
4: At every level. And they have your boy Kelvin Smith. It just seems like it's a to say, guys.
1: It, it just seems as though what they've done is that they've they, they, – they, what's the word I'm looking for? A textbook in terms of building a defense. You get a, you get a keystone player at every level of the defense, right? Passion League, we love mm-hmm. to talk about it. As a, what I like to talk about is the Passion League. They have Mercedes Lewis and Julius Thomas at the tight ends. They drafted a quarterback that people slept on. And if he wants to get hurt, Chad Hennie's not a trashy backup at all. So they have talent, bro. The O-line, I I haven't really seen Blake Boutles running for his life like that. Like, you know, they're not not the Dallas Cowboy O-line. But the O-line, they're not any pushovers by any extent. The running back position, I like Yeldon. I like to pick up up Chris Ivory. I like to Robinson going back to his days at Michigan. There's talent everywhere on this roster.
4: Yeah, man. This, this, hey, man this team is would, look. you can make the argument that their line at the core is probably the best in the league. I know I said that about somebody last week. I forgot who I said it, but I think I, I did have Tampa Bay. I would probably put hey. this line back in core above Tampa.
1: This season might go go a long way to deciding that. I'm willing to argue yeah. that what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing right now is similar to what the Seahawks did three, four years ago where they just stockpiled a slew of talent, had a quarterback that people were kind of sleeping on, and then they just decided that one year, that year when they first made the playoffs, the, the, the first year at L.O.B. when they got beaten in the second round by the Falcons, that was the year people started looking around like, wait a minute. Like, yo, why, why have not been paying attention to what's happening in Seattle for these years? They were punching everybody in the mouth, and I feel like, while it did, I don't think the Jaguars are going to be championship level. This could be that precursor year where people are really going to start taking notice. Like, yo, they, they're going to have young, athletic talent everywhere. That is dangerous mm-hmm. in the NFL and the quarterback. Sometimes you have all of that. Like, remember the Jets had their little team and Mark Sanchez was a the quarterback. They, all they needed was a Blake Bortles. They might have won a the championship. They got Blake Bortles on this team. This team could really do damage this year. This team I, is, a, is a dangerous team, bro.
2: Very dangerous. They lost.
4: I totally I totally agree. I just feel like even like with the consistency of having like a Quinn at quarterback. I mean at head coach. Right. Like right. he came from that Seattle thing, from that Seattle basically mantra and all of that. Like he knows how to build the defense. But the good thing about it, he has a better offense than what he had in in Seattle. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Who I'm not going to
4: say that Yeldon or um Ivy's Marshawn Lynch, but they're oh, no. very good back.
1: They don't have to be. <laughs> they just have to do their job.
4: <laughs> yeah man. I right, this team is this team is scary, man. I'm glad the Giants don't have to play him next year or this year uh-huh. or for a couple of years. And we barely got out that game.
0: Didn't beat us, a of fact?
1: I think we got smoked. Oh yeah, we got smoked in that game. Then we came back and we beat Tennessee. We got killed the Jackson <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Yo, this team right here, when you look at them on offense, like, if, if you if like, TJ, if you're scheming, somebody's going to be left open. You can't cover everybody. Can't. The only thing, knock on wood, that can stop them is injury. And that's a big thing in yeah. the NFL. Injury is the yeah. only thing that could stop them from taking it to the next level, I believe.
3: But, like,
4: you might not buy too much stock into, like, a preseason game, but I... I don't... Like, I know they don't game plan and do, like, the whole extensive study of how a a team is constructed and what's their flaws and what you could attack. But just manning up for even that first... that first two, three series, I just Uh feel like the Jaguars look like they can overpower a lot of people. Like, Allen Robinson caught, like, three passes for, like, 80 yards. Like, real quick. In the first quarter.
0: Like, Uh he's a monster. (laughs)
4: Like, a monster. He's not... He's not one of those speedy kind of guys. He runs great routes, but he's just a big dude.
0: No, and
2: he's, he's, faster, a,
4: faster. He's, a he's a wide receiver, wide receiver. He's a monster. Like, oh, man, I'm really excited for the Jags, man. I, I want to see what they can do. And remember, Jaguars was one of those franchises back when they first came out in, like, 94. That first three right. years, they were able to come, get to the Mark conference Bruno championship. The at,
0: he,
4: yeah, you know what, Fred Taylor and the boys, yep. like yep. yeah. So we'll see, man. We'll see.
1: We shall see. This could be finally a return to prominence for the Jacksonville Jaguars. TJ, you know, this was fun. We disagreed on the Texans. I cannot wait to see how this plays out because I know one of us is going to hear about it sometime in the fall or winter. So I, I know you wrote. Oh, I know got- you wrote this down. I don't really have to say. It. I know you wrote it down. So
3: yeah, I oh, yeah, oh, how down. this
1: plays
4: out. That guy's written down on a spreadsheet. I'm about to save it right now, put it into the folder for car session. Like, it session. already Say done.
1: Say that. Say that. Yo, thanks for coming on. As always, man, I'm about to wrap up with the Eddie Cigarra segment. We can talk a little match through MLB. And let's get ready. Next week, where, where are we headed out next week, TJ? NFC
4: North? Uh, I believe so. Can we just double check my notes? I do believe it's the NFC North. And we are covering AFC South. Yep, NFC North.
1: All right. Next week, everybody make note of that. NFC North is going to be interesting again because I'm pretty sure our picks are going to be – it's going to cause some fireworks. TJ, oh, definitely. until next week, man. We out. Peace. All right, people. Eddie Cigara, the main event. As always, on Car Sessions, a little Mets talk, a little MLB talk. Let's get right into it. Each and every Monday, Car Sessions brings you sports blogger Eddie Sagara, to discuss the New York Mets and a few other things happening in Major League Baseball. Eddie, welcome back, bro. Thanks
3: for having me on, Ray.
1: As always, as always. What's going on, man? Another another topsy turvy week for the New York Mets. They finally won two in a row for the first time in what seems like nearly a month. How do you feel? You know, tonight Arizona Diamondbacks. We um, try to we try to get some revenge after an embarrassing sweep. What's on your mind with the Mets, man? Man, what's
3: on my mind with the Mets is the fact that they went two and four on their homestand. I mean, they were playing the dreadful one of the two worst teams in the National League, the Diamondbacks and the Padres, and you lose four out of six. The Mets getting swept by the Diamondbacks was an absolute disgrace. I mean, you know, luckily for the Mets, the teams ahead of them are just not pulling away. But, you know, looking, you know, when you look into into their homestand, they, they lost two out of three against the Tigers. You know, Tigers are clearly a superior team. Well, they have a better offense. Um, you look at the schedule. You were hoping five and one, yeah. four and two. You mm-hmm. weren't looking for two and four. So, although they won two straight against the Padres, it doesn't change the fact that the week was still a disaster.
1: Absolute disaster for the Mets. Uh, it, it just seems like everything. In the past, maybe three weeks, I want to say. I don't want to say a whole month, but at least a three-week stretch, three-and-a-half weeks. Everything that could possibly go wrong for the Mets has gone wrong. You know, as Dribble Cabrera gets hurt, Cespedes to the DL, pitcher's looking shaky, Wheeler, another setback, uh, Familiar blown another save. It's just like, it, it, it just won't stop. Um, every week, I try to ask you to find a positive here. So, Eddie, what, what positives can Met Nation take away from seemingly another lost opportunity?
3: I mean, the positives would probably be the uh, starting rotation with the exception of Logan Verrett. Oh, you know? I mean I mean, Jacob DeGroff continues to pitch... As an ace. And if there's any question as to, you know, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but if the Mets were to ever get the opportunity to play that one game playoff, yeah. no doubt in my mind, Terry has to go to Jacob the Grom. He has been the most consistent Mets starter from April up until now. Every other talk was about the velocity in spring training. The talk was also the you now they spoke about the velocity earlier in the season, right, but right. he's been an absolute stud for the Mets this season. And then Stephen Mets, you know, we're dealing with the bones for a problem, but he's had two straight, excellent starts for the Mets. So I mean, those are the positives.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can't say I disagree with that. I'm going to ask you a two-part question here. Um, first being, why would Terry Collins wait so long to to remove Logan Verrett from the starting rotation? From the time they made the Nice trade, I felt like it should have been an automatic. You get you get this guy out of the starting rotation. The second part of this question is not necessarily about the Mets in terms of the losing and the questionable decisions when it comes to Terry Collins. But I wanted to ask you, what is it about Jacob DeGrom? It seemed as though. As soon as Harvey went down with injury for the rest of the season, he stepped his game up. But when Harvey was there, he was just one of the guys. Do you think it's a mental thing with DeGrom being that Harvey's not around that his level has increased? Okay, so
3: to answer the first part of your question, Ray... I feel like Terry Collins really had no choice. It had nothing to do with loyalty. I mean, don't get me wrong, Logan Verrett
0: the
3: bum. Um, had a decent season. He's he, he, he picked like a bum uh, lately. I mean, ever since he's been inserted into the starting rotation uh, since Harvey went down, he's only picked up one win. His ERA is over six.
0: Ugh.
3: But he, uh, Terry Collins, he just has no other alternatives. I mean, John Johnnie, he's pitching into an ERA over five with the Pirates.
4: I'll take my chances. So he
3: be He'll be inserted into the rotation on Wednesday, but not much is going to change in that fifth rotation spot. There's really no one in the minor leagues that can go to. Rafael Montero, where has he been? Right. He's had an absolute dreadful time in AAA Las Vegas. Uh, so Terry Collins really has no choice. He had no choice but to leave a Logan Verrett in the rotation, you know? Is Sean Meese going to help? Probably not, you know?
1: I don't know. I but think he might. Just by, just by not being as bad as Verrett is a positive at this point, I would say.
3: I guess so. And then to answer the second part of your question, I think it had really nothing to do with, uh, with you know, Matt. Har- I don't think it was a mental thing with Jacob Serrano. I think it had nothing to do with the presence of Matt Harvey on the team. And, like, well, let's not forget, you know, uh, uh, Matt's included, all these pitchers threw so many innings last year with the World Series. True. You know, in this season, with his velocity being down, he had the, um, his, his wife gave birth to his son. There were some complications with that. That probably affected his psyche, you mm-hmm. know? But so once that was in the rearview mirror, he just started to take off. Okay. Um, but he's just, I think the thing with Jacob the Grom he doesn't need the velocity. You know, he's been able to throw it up to 96, 97 with consistency the last two months. though. But he is a pitcher. Yes. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to locate. He doesn't let anything face him. He doesn't allow that big inning like a Steven Matts might, like a Noah Syndergaard might. So that's what separates a Jacob DeGrom. Hey,
0: he's... He has
1: a lot of guile, too. Like, he, he's very gutsy. When it when it goes left and nothing is working, he still finds a way to get out of the beginning, to make the right pitch at the right time. And you need that. If you're going to be a winner in baseball, as like a baseball team, you need that pitcher who is a crisis manager. And I feel like out of the entire staff, the only one who really manages crisis well or greatly is Jacob DeGrom. You met, you just mentioned Steven Matz. It's... Stephen Matt's last two stars, he starting looked look like the guy we expected him to be. Is this a product of going against two teams that are not that good, or is he turning the corner with the whole elbow situation?
0: Um, I think it's a combination
3: of both. I mean, the Diamondbacks are, what, 22, 23 games on the 500, but they have a pretty potent offense. Okay. You know? Um, the pitching has been absolutely dreadful, but their offense is middle in the pack in the National League. Um, So it's a combination of two, the Padres. They're just a mess all over. They're just a bad – got bad pitchers. They just have a bad offense. And uh, maybe the Bowers' first situation It's not a thing of the past. He's still going to get operated on in the off season. He's probably not dealing with that as, um, you know, it's probably not as great a concern. Not he's as probably, painful, maybe. Uh, probably back his bullpen session. He's just not going through as much pain right, right now. Right, right,
0: right.
3: Um, but when he's on, I mean, he's one of the best lefties in the game. Um, He's, he's a guy that you want on your team. He's probably easily a number two starter, I guess. I mean, he's probably a number two starter on another team,
1: but on the New York Mets, he'll be a good number three, number four starter, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think he has number one potential down the road, but I agree with the assessment as of right now. Let's stay away from the New York Mets. They finally got two in a row, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe, you know, going to Arizona starting tonight, they'll they'll, they'll hit the ground running, get the sweep they should have got last week. We'll see. Um, I wanted to talk about the Florida... Florida Marlins. I'm showing my age here. The Miami Marlins. You said that they will fall off eventually. News broke. Giancarlo Stanton is out for the season. Is this the break that the Mets need? How how, how, how catastrophic will this be to the Miami Marlins losing their superstar?
3: I mean, he was... uh, This is a big loss for the Miami Marlins because he was starting to pick it up offensively. He was hitting absolute bombs. He was really... He was the catalyst. He was—he's just a prototypical clean-up hitter. He's your prototypical booty home run guy. Mm-hmm. He was showing that the last month and a half of the month. It's a big loss for the Miami Marlins. But um, right now, you know they'll try to trend above water. Um, their season's not over, Miami Marlins fans. But let's not forget Jose Fernandez is yep. on is on an innings limit. Yep. Once he gets shut down, then they're in trouble. But so right now, they're, I uh, believe, six games over, five, uh, over the 500 mark. Um, they, they have a pretty good team, you know. They have a really good team, uh, really good defensively, uh, really good character guys. But right now, um, as long as they have their ace, Fernandez, they'll, they'll compete. Okay. You know, they'll still be in it until the end. Right.
1: Last question before I let you get out of here, Eddie. I appreciate the time, as always. Um, Carlos Gomez got DFA uh, how, what happened to that guy man it, it, last year he was about to be a met you know the, the deal that was made for him to go to Houston was supposed to put Houston over the top now they don't want any parts of him what happened to Carlos Gomez
0: that is the biggest mystery.
3: You would think with the trade from the Milwaukee Brewers, to the Houston Astros, who were clearly in the pennant race last year, would kind of motivate him and get him going. He just hasn't been good. I mean, has he has he done with some injuries the last two years? Absolutely. I'm not ready to say that he's done. He's only 30 years old. You know, he's still in the prime of his career. Right. If you're asking me if Sandy Alderson has to take a flyer on him, no. I mean, they have nothing to lose, but I would probably take a pass on that
1: though. You know what? I I don't think he handles prosperity well. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen him in like in a truly high level winning situation. I think he's prone to, to pressing and trying to do too much. And when nothing is expected of him, that's when he shines the most. That's what I've seen from him throughout his career. So that's what I believe. When when people need you to win games, he kind of shrinks. So, that being said, I'm not surprised this happened to him, and I wasn't too broken up about the trade falling through last year to the Mets and seeing him get dfa while I didn't expect that. That's a bold move by the Astros. Teams don't usually make moves like that. That's a very bold move from a team trying to to win games out there in the American League. So, very impressive on the Houston Astros front. Yeah, absolutely
3: impressive. I mean, nowadays, you just see teams, you see with the whole Alex Rodriguez situation, They were willing to eat $26 million just so he can just get away from the team and give those at bats to the younger players on oh, yeah. the team, you know?
0: Baseball's Apollo taking him more... He's
3: a veteran, you know. He's not in the Alex Rodriguez category. He's not quite 41 yet, but. Right now, if you are not producing. I mean, just the other day, uh, Jonathan Pappelbaum, who still has about 3 to $4 million left yeah. on the contract, was released by the Washington Nationals. He just hasn't performed. Yeah. And then more and more nowadays, you know, with the increased revenue and stuff, you're
0: not performing. You might be making $10, $50 million a year. You're going to get cut. You're going
1: to get released. True. Baseball's taking a more forward-thinking approach in terms of getting rid of guys. As in the past, money used to dictate guys sticking around, players sticking around. But being that you see what's happening in the NBA and in the NFL, even NHL, when players don't produce, they get rid of them or they release them. They do what they have to do to be rid of said player. And it's interesting to see baseball finally coming to the present and realizing that no matter what the money situation is, you have to get rid of players if they're not producing to the level that they're being paid to produce. Eddie, this was always fun. You know, you bring it every week. We have to get you on next week. Hopefully the Mets have a better week and we can, you know, get back to having a more celebratory segment when you come on.
3: Sounds like a plan. Let's go, Mets.
1: Let's get it. Peace out, Eddie. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another edition of the Car Session Sports Report is in the books. I hope you enjoyed it. Tell a friend to tell a friend, and once again, do remember: each and every Monday, live at 7 p.m. If you cannot catch the live show, you can catch the podcast on BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Car Session Sports Talk. I repeat that: BlogTalkRadio.com/slash Car Session Sports Talk. Until next time i